Hey there, spooky friends. It's Megan. And before we hop into the episode, I want to tell y'all a little bit about what we've got coming up in person next. We're so excited to announce that our friends at Little Cottage Brewing have invited us back for a monthly spot with trivia. So that means it's time to mark your calendars with a few dates to come hang out with us and play along. On December 13th, join us for Creepy Holiday Trivia, where we'll have questions ranging from spooky holiday traditions around the world, mischievous holiday mythical beings, holiday-themed horror movies, and more. Then, on January 17th, join us again for a deck themed around fears and phobias. Last but not least on the calendar is February 14th for a theme of romance and scorned lovers in horror. We can't wait to see you on December 13th, January 17th, and February 14th for some excellent craft beer and a scary good time. Okay, 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 I get it. Now, on to the episode. Well, hi, friends. Welcome to another mini-sode of Clever Ghouls. I'm Melissa, and I'm super excited to walk you through a topic that we touched on briefly in our mummy episodes, scarabs, specifically dung beetles. As the resident bug lady and science educator, I could talk for hours on what really makes insects tick, why they're so unjustly hated, and why they deserve, if not your admiration, at least your respect and tolerance. But don't worry, I promise I'll keep this short. As a quick content warning, we're going to be talking a lot about insects, naturally, and a little bit about poop, since scarabs are called dung beetles for a reason. Uh, But beyond that, I really just plan on laying down some really cool and adorable science for you. One of the things I find most fascinating about animals in general is how they tend to navigate this world. So monarchs can fly thousands of miles to Mexico and back again, birds migrate even farther distances, and even ocean creatures wander through leagues and miles without ever getting lost. And somehow they also pass this information from generation to generation. They can use internal compasses, cues from the wind and water currents, and in some rare cases, they can even read celestial signs like stars and planets. Until 2013, we thought really only a handful of animals, including birds, seals, and us humans, could navigate truly by using the stars. That is until they took a look at the humble dung beetle. So back in 2013, Dake et al. wanted to test exactly how dung beetles were able to move in such straight lines, even on moonless nights, without any light or features to guide them in the night sky. I love this article so much because to me, it really is a classic case of science just for science's sake. Are we curing cancer here? No. Are we saving the rainforest? Not even close. Are we just taking time to learn about the world around us because it's filled with incredible interactions that we have just barely scraped the surface of? Yes, that's really it. This type of science doesn't usually have a lot of backing due to budget constraints and grant competition from other more impactful studies. And honestly, just the competition in academia is ridiculous. However, I really love when researchers are able to learn about our world just for the hell of it because you never know what incredible things you're going to dig up. It really helps refresh me when I get all doom and gloom about the current publisher parish culture in academia and general ennui that a lot of my fellow participants in our education system face. So if you're unfamiliar, dung beetles were revered by ancient Egyptians because the act of rolling a ball three times their size, poop or not, with ease and precision reminded them a lot of the sun god Ra, whose responsibility was moving the sun across the sky all day. For more on this, you can listen to our mummy episode where we go into more of the cultural significance of scarabs. I'd give you a bit more background, but most importantly, I am able to confirm for you that they do not, in fact, burrow into your skin and eat your brain. 
I really hope you can breathe a little easier now. But going back to reality, dung can be a pretty hot commodity in the desert where there isn't much else for nutrition or moisture, right? So these beetles have evolved to not only consume dung, but also be able to sense when there is a huge pile of poop that they can use. So they'll swarm the dung piles and immediately take as much away as possible and roll in quick straight lines away from the dung pile to have the best little dung ball for their little babies because they want their babies to grow up big and strong, just like us. Also, beetles can be pretty cutthroat about this. If a beetle hasn't made a dung ball yet and it sees somebody else has and it's looking really nice, sometimes they'll just fight over it and just steal it, take it right away from him. So speed is pretty important here. But how in the world do they know how to get back to their homes when it's completely dark and honestly a lot of the desert looks pretty similar, especially to tiny, tiny insect eyes? Well, the answer is surprisingly not the moon, not the sun, and not even the stars, but instead the Milky Way galaxy. Now I'm going to go into some of the most creative experimental design I have read about in my entire life. So to test the existing theory that scarabs use some sort of celestial cue when rolling along, they crafted the tiniest, cutest visors that you've ever seen. That's right, visors, tiny little hats, and they carefully fit them to the tops of these beetles' heads to block their vision from above. Then they put these beetles individually into an arena with a dung ball that was exposed to the night sky and tracked, one, how long in seconds it took each beetle to find its way out, and then how long and straight its path was. And they found that those beetles with visors had a pretty hard time finding their way out. Four times as hard as beetles who didn't have that adorable little fashion accessory, in fact. This data is actually in line with how beetles behave under a cloudy sky, too. So it somewhat supports their original hypothesis that the answer is in the stars or in the sky somewhere. But they had some things they had to rule out. So imagine you have a car sunshade or a huge umbrella taped to your head. Yeah, it'll obscure your vision, but it'll also weigh you down. Even if you could see, you'd definitely bump into stuff and not move very efficiently. So they had to control for that. The next phase was to test and see how these visors could be throwing the beetles off. So they came out with a spring edition of the visors that was transparent and totally clear so they could absolutely see through it and they tested that along with the opaque one. And sure enough, those scarabs with the clear visor were able to behave almost exactly like those beetles without visors at all. Whereas those with the dark visors, again, had a heck of a time rolling their balls around. So now that we know that dung beetles need to see the night sky to orient themselves, and we know that the visors aren't really the problem, we still need to narrow down what exactly they're using to navigate. There's a lot of stuff up there. There's a lot of stars, there's a lot of constellations, and of course there's the moon and other planets and galaxies and all sorts of stuff. So what exactly are they taking a look at? So this next part has to be my favorite. In order to test out which features of the night sky dung beetles are actually using, they took all of their little beetles and their little arena on a field trip to the local planetarium. They didn't get to wear their fancy little visors this time though, but I like to imagine that they enjoyed the fresh air. So at this planetarium, they could alter projections of the night sky to mimic outdoor settings perfectly. So they went through a series of setups with stars and planets set to various brightnesses and sometimes just present or absent. What they found was pretty 
cool. Regardless of the presence of stars, as long as the Milky Way band itself was visible, the Beatles had no problem at all. So despite having significantly poorer vision than many mammals and other animals that use the night sky to navigate, they were able to use this bright band of light to correctly orient themselves and escape the arena to freedom pretty quickly. Well, maybe not exactly freedom, but you know what I mean. These findings are cool because for the most part, we think of navigating the night sky as a really complicated skill that only the most experienced people can have. But here are these little dung beetles just rolling along, equally aware of the features of our galaxy as we are, though maybe they're not as introspective about it. And it doesn't even end there. Now that we know this, we can start to investigate countless other species who exhibit similar behavior, whether insect, amphibian, reptile, or some other non-human creature. So that's the story of how these tiny little critters make their way in this world. I hope no matter how squeamish you are, that if you made it this far, you learned a little something, and maybe had some of your perspectives challenged. So next time you're looking at the stars, especially the Milky Way, Maybe send some good vibes to those little dung beetles staring at the same sky, living their tiny little lives in this great big world halfway across the globe. The Clever Goals Podcast is run by Megan, Marissa, Blair, and Melissa. The episode was organized and edited by Melissa. Our intro and outro music was created for us by Josh Marshall. Find his links in our show notes. For more episodes, resources, and other spooky content, Find us on your favorite social media platform through our handle at Clever Ghouls. Don't forget to subscribe and share. And if you really like our content, please leave us a review. Thanks for listening.